2: The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of our accurate Tom Dioro. Thank you, Charlotte, for our guest today.
1: Let's welcome Mattia Crespi, CEO and founder of Cubit Technologies Incorporated, a Palo Alto boutique startup. Built by virtual reality seasoned executives. Qubit specializes in the development of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for enterprises. They also focus on what they envision as the first vertical applications of ambient technologies for business purposes, developing specific products and solutions based on ambient, immersive VR technologies. For more information, feel free to visit qubittech.com. That's Q-B-I-T-T-E-C-H dot com. Hello, Mattia. We're honored and excited to have you on the Modern Architect show today. Thank you very much for coming in. Hi, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Mattia, I'd like to start off with, as we spoke in the green room, is early inspiration. What, If you can go back as far as you can recall, what were your early inspirations or galvanizing moments where you can see what you're doing now with VR and how it may have occurred as far back as you can recall.
3: Well, I would say my dad was a clear inspiration into that. And I remember very clearly a moment. I was about 13 years old. 13. I was with my dad at the summer house and he called me into the living room because this huge package had just been delivered and he was unpacking this, this huge device that I didn't know. And (laughs) It was a computer and oh. it was this, this huge machine, this huge IBM computer. And he set this up and he said, come here, I need to show you something. And he had this phone, you know, with the old phones with the wheel. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The, the and, rotary. Yeah. And he had a, a modem, one of the first modems oh. and he, he dialed this number <laughs> And, you know, you could hear the first modem noises, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, and uh, funny things. And, yeah. and he it's like, like, look, and suddenly on his screen, and it's obviously a, a monochrome, you know, oh, green yes. and black screen, yeah. you know, some, some uh, text started appearing and it was connected to his company miles away in northern Italy. We were in southern Italy at the time. And I was just amazed because it showed me how we could connect to the people he was working with in his company and he said, you know, this for me is like reaching the freedom to be anywhere and keep the company under control and keep working. So it was a vision of what we call today online collaboration, you know. And uh, what does virtual reality have to do with this? Well, you know, I've always been passionate about technology as a kid. I'm the typical I mean, I didn't grow up into an engineer, but I'm the typical kid who would break the radio into little pieces and try and bring it back together for the happiness of my parents, you know? But this, this moment with my dad was really, I still remember it today as something that must have influenced me somehow. And in fact, today, one of the things we are working on with virtual reality is the future of online collaborative spaces. So online virtual environments where people can collaborate So that's, you know, exactly what my dad was trying to do at the time, but just
1: using, you know, to do, you know. Yeah. So really that obviously inspired you to do what it is you're doing today. How did you get involved with virtual reality, especially because what I think even five for sure, 10 years ago was not as prevalent or as recognized as it is today?
3: Yeah, so that's another uh, funny moment in my life in the sense that (laughs) I was going through a change. I had a a small business in Milan at the time. Essentially, it was like a small advertising agency specialized in digital. Mm. And it was at the time where, you know, every company was building their websites and so on. So it was a lot of buzz. And I was at the conference and I was at the bar having a coffee and I heard these people talking about this new thing on the internet where you could appear as an avatar and live this virtual life and even make money on it oh. and, and do virtual jobs. And, and I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. So, you know, I told you I was looking for a change. I was looking yeah. for something new. So I, I go back home that night and I search for this thing they were talking about, which was called Second Life. And as you may remember, Second Life was this virtual world platform where mm-hmm. users could create content. So it's a, it's a user, user-generated virtual world, one of the first examples of this type of thing. And this really got me totally captured. Okay, And uh, I spent the next week studying how the whole thing was working. And I even had to change my computer at the time because it was not powerful enough to install the <laughs> application and run it. So after a week or two of struggling, I I even had to change the internet connection, by the way, to a faster provider. And then I was finally able to enter this magical virtual environment <laughs> that I was seeing for the first time on a computer screen. And this really got me, boom, into virtual reality And I started understanding how this platform was working. And of course, there was an economic system whereby people could work on the platform, exchange services, build things inside the virtual world, also for companies that were looking to experiment this new Mm -hmm. way of being on the Internet in 3D. So I had the idea of putting up this web page offering what I called at the time Second Life Services aimed to companies that wanted to create their own spaces in this new virtual world then oh. it was a big boom the second life oh. platform was very successful was on all media and every time you would do something on second life it would just come on the media all the companies major companies were looking for a, to have a space in this 3d environment
1: and it was oh. amazing it was a space within an environment yes I should be speaking and not being quiet, but I'm amazed at this because I'm actually envisioning this. So how do you also envision in your mind what you actually put into production? Does it start within your mind or do you have a group, obviously you have a group of people that you work with that are highly competent. Do you share ideas of, oh, here's what we can do? So it starts in your own mind.
3: Yeah, it's kind of, so the very fundamental and important part in virtual reality experiences, is really the user experience because it's fundamental to have, you know, a really good experience, very well designed in detail. And you have to imagine very well how you're going to create an interface in this digital 3D space. And it's quite funny because, you know, we're using to deal with 2D interfaces Mm -hmm. when we design software, essentially. And virtual reality for the first time brings in this new concept of, Designing an interface for headsets, for, you know, a 3D immersion, where your interface really becomes the avatar representing yourself. It's like going back to your body as the first interface you have to be interacting with reality. So, you know, you go from an interface made of buttons, cursors, you know, Mm -hmm. sliders and so on, to a new type of interface where you find again your hands, your side, your, your legs, your movements, you know, it's, it's, of course you, you were still missing some senses in sure. VR, but you know, I don't think it's going to take many years until we get those
1: two. Yeah. Those senses, speaking of the senses, you we talked about how the acoustics or the audio is uh, just as important. Share with us why it's so important.
3: Well, another vital part is the sound because it really determines the immersion we have in the virtual space. I mean, we don't realize, but, you know, every day in our lives we hear millions of sounds that we don't notice, but they really make the experience of our life more real. True. So it's fundamental to be able to replicate this in virtual reality. And for this, we have something that's called spatial sound which essentially can simulate any sound in in a virtual reality environment as if it were a real sound coming from an origin with a certain intensity and so on, and change and modulate as you move into virtual space or as you interact with people that are in different positions. You can understand that hearing the voice coming from a certain point or another is... Very important to render realism when you're relating to another avatar, for example.
1: Yeah. How about texture and feelings, tactile feelings?
3: Yeah, there are various experiments and various devices that are coming out, simulating haptics and tactical experiences. We have virtual reality gloves. I mean, Mm. you know, we've been experimenting with those for a number of years. But yeah, it's definitely a very important but It's not yet there I think we're still working a lot to make the visuals and the interactions very effective and realistic. The sound and then, yes, definitely haptics and being able to touch would be the next one.
1: Yeah. How do you explain it to someone who's never experienced virtual reality, even prospective clients? How do you explain to them the the advantages of it for them?
3: That's a tough one because, first of all, they need to experience it. Okay, so they have to experience. It. So you go you need to go there with something to show them that makes them understand the practical application in their own use case, you know. So if you're for example if if you want to sell a training simulation using virtual reality, you need to make them perceive the difference in between having a learning experience in in the the VR environment as compared to a real one. Or, you know, uh we also work for example on 3D Retail,
0: immersive (laughs)
3: retail experiences, so like 3D e-commerce. So, you know, what do I say to them? So first show them these type of new products and experiences and then leverage the data we studied throughout some years of experiences working in VR and also with universities on experiments on the effectiveness of using VR into certain situations. For instance, training. Okay. Using a virtual reality simulation for training purposes to train somebody on the job to do something is extremely more effective yeah. than any other form of training. If you need to train somebody how to use a, mach- a machine, a complex industrial machine, for example, you know, it's, it's really effective. You lower learning times tremendously. So you kind of I pull out all this data that proves the technology to be effective in different use cases.
1: Yeah, I like you lower learning times. uh, Wow! So in in essence, every uh, have you ever justified a number? Say, let's say half the time it would have taken.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the recent experiments we've done was in in Denmark. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the company, but it's not really important. It's it's a major company producing industrial equipment, uh, water Mm. pumps and so on. Uh, They have big factories with thousands of employees. So we experimented with them on creating this VR training cells in their rooms that are made inside the factories with the VR experience, you know, inside the room Mm -hmm. you go in and it's all closed around you and you you wear your headset and you practice on the use of, of the machines you're going to use in the factory. And the learning times in these cases have proven to be lowered by five times even. Five times? So, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the impact is tremendous. And, and there is scientific evidence of this. So this does not only mean, you know, you teach, you lower learning times and learning costs, but it means you can train people quicker and then move them around to different jobs within within the same factory. So, you know, you, if you need to, to train somebody six months to learn a new job, it's quite yes. difficult for you to, to make him change jobs, sure. right? If it's, you know, if it's one-fifth of that, it, you know, makes a difference.
1: Oh, you're not kidding. This is The Modern Architect, KZSU, 90.1 FM, Stanford.
4: Home First, formerly EHC Life Builders, is a leading provider of services, shelter, and housing for homeless men, women, and children in Santa Clara County. On any given night, more than 6,500 people in the county are homeless. Home First helps these people find and keep stable, long-term shelter and transitional housing. The organization also maintains the largest outreach team that regularly visits people in the streets. If you would like to help, visit www.homefirstscc.org or call
1: 408-539-2100. We're talking today with Mattia Crespi, founder and CEO, expert in Virtual reality futurist and technology evangelist well, as well as a speaker and an entrepreneur. For more information, you can visit qubittech That's q b i t t e c h dot com. here you know, what recent projects have you worked on? If you're at liberty to share with us, you? you don't have to say the company name unless you'd like to. But uh, if you you'd love to hear some of the maybe some of the challenges or. Goals of working with them.
3: Well, I can tell you what I think are a couple of the most interesting ones, in my opinion. So we have recently, so I helped co-found a new startup. It's actually an Italian startup, uh, which is called OVR. And we're working on a project which is creating a digital grid around the globe, which is based on a blockchain Okay. So the project is really the convergence of augmented reality, blockchain, and artificial intelligence. These three technologies combined. So we're building this digital grid, and, which is, of course, geolocalized, related to the territory. And we create augmented reality content that is precisely geolocalized anywhere in the world and also inside of buildings so you can have any type of content in augmented reality wherever you are and this can range from a service that you need while you're traveling but also to shopping with a virtual shopping assistant appearing as an avatar next to you and walking you around the city to go shopping for instance. a city
1: so literally you can shop in a city
3: yeah, but that's, you know, in augmented reality on the real world. So you could, sure. you know, you can of course when we are working on the creation of entirely virtual retail spaces in in virtual reality which are completely independent from the physical world, but what I'm talking about with OVR is augmented reality and really creating meaningful contents and services which are based on the connection in between the physical and the digital space. So, and this is what I think is also very relevant to your podcast here yeah. today. It's because with these technologies, which we call ambient technologies, you know, technologies that create experiences that are not anymore confined to a screen but they are really around us Mm -hmm. we're opening up an entire new era of digital experiences and possibilities for design you know imagine you know we're not just designing and building the the physical anymore yes but we're designing in 3d the virtual and Mm -hmm. you know imagine you know the architectural space in this sense has a new dimension and does not have the physical constraints of the physical world you know uh, that's amazing. How is that? You know, as a new platform to experiment
1: with, you know, experiment with is there's actually a necessity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I really, mean, that sounds greatly totally great, right. but it's needed. Like mm. in yesterday, <laughs> wow, that's that's amazing. I thought of something out here. Since we're uh, we're recording at our Stanford studios, across from Hoover Tower and next to adjacent to the Frost Theater, which is going to be uh, open this spring, could in that reality actually have musicians playing in in a concert in that?
3: Yeah. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually happening already. We have, you know, VR spaces where people perform. This has been happening for a number of years and things in platforms like Second Life, for example, we have performers. I remember about, uh, I think it was about nine years ago, 10 years ago, in Second Life, we rebuilt a model of La Scala Theater in Milan And we used it to actually make theater inside the virtual space. So we had uh, performers actually playing inside the virtual space. You had performers in there? Yes. And the amazing thing is that, you know, each one of them was in a different place in the world and the world would all share the same digital space. And it's not like, you know, it's not like a Skype call, you know, with all due respect to, to the software company, but, you know, it's... There, you know, in, in in conference call, video calls, or any type of online interaction so far, you always were filtered by the screen yes. and the camera. Whereas in, in virtual reality spaces, you have the digital representation of yourself, which is your avatar, and you share the same digital space with other avatars. So you're not separated by this filter, which is the screen anymore. And so things like... We simulate things like eye contact Mm -hmm. through two avatars because one thing you cannot have in a Skype call, even though you see yourself in video, is eye contact with the other person because you're looking into a camera. You're not looking into his eyes. But, you know, with eye tracking, with a headset and the virtual reality environment with avatars, you can actually simulate things like eye contact in an interaction. Of course, it's simulated, but it, it feels very real and we're just at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. So we're just at the beginning now. So as we speak of t- right now, two years from now, it may be as, just as advanced as the last two, correct? Or if not faster, uh, the technology. I would say, well,
3: you know, we you know we
1: would say it's it's ex- exponential, especially ex- being in Silicon in
3: Silicon Valley. You know, you got to say that. Expo- <laughs> now,
1: share with what is uh, is there a difference in uh, obviously language? Yes, and Italy and here. What's the difference in the entrepreneurial culture there? Ooh, it's, uh, it's huge. Huge. In fact, I'm drawn over
3: here for, you know, every, uh, every time I'm working. So the, what we have in Europe, in general in Europe is very strong historical roots that in a sense enrich ourselves, but also limit ourselves on the other side. Okay. So, and, uh, you know, we have old ways of doing things and, Italy in particular is a country that has a huge issue in creating an ecosystem of cooperation in between people, institutions, politics, universities, entrepreneurs, startups. And of course, it's a small market compared to the US or yeah. to others, but it's in a very traditional market. Innovation is very hard to push through. The mentality of people is much more conservative. So it sounds you like know, a little you know.
1: bit, if you were to do just do what you're doing now with Qubit, it would be more challenging there if you were just there. It would be impossible. Oh
3: <laughs> no, I, honestly, I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. And okay. and, and I'm thankful, you know, to, to the US for for be, being a platform even for somebody that comes from outside. Because you have worked out a system. Well, Silicon Valley of course is a special place in many ways, but you, you really work out a system to create a platform for people to express themselves in ways that we cannot find anywhere else. And, you know, I have to say this because the opportunities, I mean, look, look at us, you know, you found me online, oh, you're searching, I was in Europe when you wrote me, I'm over here now talking to you. And I, I mean, <laughs> how, you know, you got to be a place which is really open and gives possibilities to people to be able to have that.
1: And that's not as prevalent
3: in Europe in your experience? No, it's not. Of course, Europe is different countries, so the sure. experience is very different. You can't compare, you know, Switzerland to Italy or you know yeah. they're very different situations.
1: But what there's the similarities, although again, I reached out to you, you were in you were in England or you were in Italy. I was in Italy. You were yeah. in Italy and I was here in the US and we still connected. Is there a connection between people who value and move towards innovation and entrepreneurship that transcends language or even cultures? I think so. Innovation itself and technology and the way
3: digital technologies are going are really helping to make this happen and they're really creating, by definition, the virtual and the digital is a separate territory from the physical world, so it's helping to delete boundaries to overcome differences, to bring together teams from diff- with you know different nationalities. I mean, imagine the value in creativity. I mean, you see it every day expressed in the U.S., especially in Silicon Valley. But the value in creativity in, in bringing people together from different mentalities—that's fundamental. You yeah, know? it's one of the fundamental values here in the U.S. as well.
1: Yeah. There's a a quote, and I'm not, I don't know exactly what it is, so uh, anyone listening can uh, write it in if they find out who who said it. But it's it goes like this: It's the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and what is imagined. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that?
3: I would say it depends.
1: Okay, <laughs> it depends the on difference. the
3: reality you experience. Okay, yeah, you know, if it leaves you space to imagine, I would say imagine you know certain difficult conditions of life
1: so in, when the reality is harsh yeah how do you describe what you do just to people if you meet them on the airport or next to you is sitting on the plane and they say oh what do you do and they say oh i'm an attorney or uh, i'm an electrician or I, whatever it is they do how do you describe what it is that you do to someone who you've just met
3: Sometimes I just generally say, I usually generally say I work in technology and innovation.
1: <laughs> okay. Just not to go not <laughs> into te- having to explain. Yeah. You know, that, that. just because, uh, you know, I have a curiosity of a four-year-old and I also dance like one. If I was next <laughs> to you on the airline and you were talking about the virtual reality, I don't think we'd need fuel to keep flying. I would just be off. You'd have to peel me off the roof. You're in a plane, even you know, you're just <laughs> fly yourself. You know? Yeah. So, so do you get into that, or you just gauge whether or not whoever you're speaking with is going to be finding interesting? No. So,
3: if I understand, there is a certain interest and understanding a bit of the things you know we're talking about. You know, I like to engage into conversations. What I especially like to do is also when it comes to having a conversation with somebody is. The philosophical impacts of technologies and specifically of virtual reality and the fact that virtual reality is creating alternative dimensions for ourselves. I like that. So alternative dimensions for our existence, which becomes, you know, it can be a multiple existence in different digital worlds. Where you can be something else, then not just, you know, a man or a woman, but you could be a cat, you could be a <laughs> hawk, you can be anything you wanted and experience things from this
1: perspective. Oh, I love this. We'll, we'll return right back to it. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM.
4: Kickstart is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to lift millions of people in Africa out of poverty quickly, cost-effectively and sustainably. Co-founded by Stanford alum, Dr. Martin Fisher, Kickstart designs, promotes, and markets simple money-making tools that smallholder farmers buy and use to start profitable family enterprises. You can help families permanently change their lives by contributing to Kickstart. For more information, visit kickstart.org.
1: We're talking today with Matia Crespi, founder and CEO, expert in virtual reality, futurist, and technology evangelist, speaker, and entrepreneur. For more information, feel free to visit qbittech.com. That's com. Mattia, GeoCities, share with us a bit about the idea of looking at a city, an entire city, correct? Does it matter the size or... You mean when it comes to virtualizing? Yes, when you virtualize an entire city, yeah. is there a limit? You know, that you say, oh, no, we can only do, you know, uh, five mile by five mile.
3: Or no. No, I mean, we have the technology to virtualize. Well, you know, think of Google Maps and Google okay. Earth. You yeah, know? That's they, true. Are, they are already a copy of the planet, in a sense. Oh, that's amazing. So our vision into that is, our company's vision into that is actually... Many other companies are working on this. One of them is Magic Leap as well. They presented in their their last conference in LA this vision of layering smart cities where you would have a digital layer of data for each function. So for example, you'll have a layer where you have utilities, you know, water, electricity, all the data concerning to that. Then another layer where you could have uh, tourist information. So it's really like creating a digital copy of a city with, with several layers, virtual layers. And in each one of them, you associate data coming from the physical city, the smart buildings, the IT infrastructure of, you know, any, anything existing in the city that pushes out data. So you essentially create a virtual model of a city that allows you also to simulate and experiment on changes you may want to do in the city, whether it's public transportation, urban development. A new power plant. A new power plant, anything you would need to simulate, that's the ideal environment. And the nice part of this is that it can be an open environment. So you can allow citizens to participate in the process of remodeling your smart city. So you could test the feature, you could test the change and invite people to experience it virtually and then vote on it oh my goodness so it's you know it's it could be a platform for consensus it could be you know a platform for community management and
1: of course i believe it can help to solve a lot of problems oh are you kidding as i said this technology is needed yesterday are there any cities that you're aware of that are employing this or acting on this yet if you're at liberty to share with us well, I think San Francisco as a
3: city is at the forefront of that. I think Palo Alto is also very active in this. Find out.
1: That's yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, so, and when you're saying, don't hold levels. me responsible. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, wasn't me. They're gonna say, "Hey, we didn't start anything." <laughs> yes. Layers. So you li- can you even go like at sea level? Hmm. You can. Um. Definitely. So you can definitely or under sea level. Under sea level. So you can. so I'm pounding on the table here. Under sea level all the way up to above the city itself. And in Absolutely. between, so you can navigate through all that and find out what areas that you can improve on, say, say, you know, the seashore, the, the seawalls breaking down or something. You can find out, well, you know, here's where it's breaking down and here's what we can do to have it not break down for at least the next 200, 300 years.
3: Yeah, because it's not just about visualizing the space. It's also about 3D visualization of data, any data coming from the physical world. So you could create simulations that would integrate Different types of data into a 3D simulation.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm too excited for all this. (laughs) No, any projects, are they mostly US based or are they all over the world that you're working on?
3: Uh, A bit all over the world, mainly US, uh, some countries in Europe like Switzerland, Spain, the Arab Emirates in
1: the Middle East. So yes, currently. Yeah. How do people find you or do you find them or is it a mix combination of both? How did you find me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was yes. looking at v- I knew virtuality is yeah. is vital in the architecture space and the built environment, and your name came out there and when I, I said, Whoa, oh, it looks like he's in he's in Italy, so it's kind of far. But I, when I clicked on you again it went like well, what Palo Alto? There's an office in Palawato. What yeah. no way. So that's how I, you know excitedly reached out to you but that i don't know if everyone's thinking the same way i am to go this is what's needed i'm not Um, looking at just as a toy or a neat experiment i'm looking as an actual functioning value and effective piece of technology yeah you know it probably still will take a little time okay so it's not at a tipping point yet to where everyone knows i think out of 10 people if you say are you familiar with vr maybe what four or five will say yes
3: it depends where you are
1: in the world. Here, yes.
3: Yeah, here, yes, definitely. Okay. But here, are even more. In Milan, I would If I say, said, do you know what VR is? Yeah, I mean, they would, no, of course, no. But the point is, we are in a moment where companies are still understanding what to do with it. You know, what really works in VR for now, what doesn't. And let me add, with the current level of hardware that we have, and' that's not true. to forget in the next couple of years, we're gonna see you know a huge amount of new devices coming out with great new functionalities and capabilities to do things we were not able to do before. First one of those being wireless, for example, having oh, a headset okay. you can walk around with that's one of the you know objectives that many companies have so for you know being able to experience virtual reality on the go wherever you are without being connected to a computer or, you know, a very powerful computer, by the way, right now. Yeah. Still need a lot of processing power. So it's not, it's just about there. As I said, there are some things where it, it's it's perceived to be working better as in, you know, for example, training, as I told you training, before. Training, yes. Yeah. But of course, architecture, design has, have huge potential in that because imagine the ability to create Things together, moving. With oh, I've imagined. In the, in, in a three, <laughs> I'm sure you have in a 3D. In a, but but virtually in a 3D environment where you you know you model the things you're designing as they come along collaboratively.
1: Yeah. And uh, where do you see um, even medically? How about absolutely. Yeah yeah. 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 Even the medical application for this. So there really is no end. Now, just imagining when you have your uh, oculars. Is what's it? It's called. Yeah, I would say a headset, then you
3: have the Oculus, you have other
1: brands. Yeah, so we can go to literally a site, a physical site, and see where there is nothing but just land, just land. And you can attach and place your virtual reality um, goggles and see that very space with an entire city. Is that possible yet? Yeah, you don't actually have to go anywhere to do that. I'm just you doing just, it for a point to say, look, here's what's here now. Oh, yeah. Now, imagine this is what
3: can be. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that you can do with augmented reality even better. Oh, my Because goodness. it's, uh, you know, as I said, with the platform like OVR, you could, you know, literally visualize the new buildings or the new spaces you're building precisely where they are.
1: Yeah, the beach as we talked about at Stanford. The beach, uh,
3: the, the example of the beach as we talked about before, exactly. That can be placed. So that's, not, yeah, that's, that's, you know, you create a, what's called a mixed reality experience by blending together. Digital what's it called, mixed reality? Mixed because it's, it's blending okay. together the digital and, and physical. Yeah. And, you know, did all these things, imagine all these things can happen just because we're adding one dimension to the internet and yeah. to digital. You know, before everything was 2, <laughs> 2D. Yeah. No. It okay. just seems it
1: sounds so simple but it took a heck of a lot of work to get there.
3: Absolutely. Imagine even virtual so the virtual reality I mean okay so the first virtual the first flight simulator was built in the first years of the 1900s. I think it's 1905 1902 Are you I think. Kidding? Nope. Wow. It's really funny you can find it on web easily and you can see this picture. Of this guy i don 't remember the name of the guy i 'm sorry, but he, he built this first flight simulator back then it was always it was of course mechanic, it had nothing <laughs> digital but and then from there, we went on to the sixties where they really started experimenting with simulation and virtual reality because they had to go to the moon, so you know they needed a technology to really experiment what was going to be like there and train okay so they they started envisioning these types of system and, and the technology behind the Oculus itself. It's a 1960s technology. So, actually, so it took actually 70 years, you know, to, you know talking about exponential. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not as
1: fast as it may seem. Okay. You know, that Is beginning. that by design or you just think it's because of the technology or the people committed to it?
3: No, it's because of the technology needed to make these things work. Like in order to have a meaningful virtual reality experience, you still need a lot of hardware, a lot of software, a lot of bandwidth and processing power. So it's, you know, it took some years until we had why virtual reality is happening, is beginning to happen now and augmented reality is because we now have the processing power needed to render this type of experiences. So, you know, you need a lot of power to do that.
1: Similar to when you were 13, that you weren't able to uh, get the full power.
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: You had to find it, discover it, and even generate, innovate it yourself. Do you find yourself doing that as well? Since There isn't always the technology to support the VR that you're working with that you actually have to go in and, "Ah, okay, let me see what I can do or we can do. It comes to that when it
3: gets to designing interfaces and how the software you're producing for a client, the solution you're producing for a client, really works and really relates to who uses it. But no, in general, no.
1: No, okay. So it's it's there. How did you find the company in Italy? I'm, cu- Italy, I'm curious, the OVR. Did you find them? They found you? And you said, I think we can kind of work together.
3: They found me. Okay. So as you mentioned before, I do a lot of, Activity in public speaking conferences and so on, and and so I, I these people got to know me, and uh, we had a meeting. They told me about the idea. I found it extremely interesting, mm-hmm. and right on the spot, also in timing, because I think it was it's the exact time now to come out with technologies that fit in the ambient experiences domain. So technologies yeah. that allow us to have these experiences around us, and OVR is is
4: specifically that this is amazing i'm like this is always like being propelled like 25 years into the future <laughs> <laughs> no, ser- seriously, like mind-blowing, and I and I live here, so like the culture, like I'm absorbed in the culture too. But just yeah. just hearing you describe that, like painting that vision, and you do it, like so like effortlessly, like naturally, like this is already real to you. Like,
3: <laughs> Thank well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you do. Know, you have to be projected a bit hey! into the future, but you know, <laughs> you no, know, I'm also a research affiliate of the Institute for the Future here in Palo so that's what we do every day. Yeah, share with that. Oh, it's, you're it's, saying it's, it's, you say it? Oh, know, yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. Well, it's an amazing place, you guys. You know, it's a 51- you guys, I love that. You guys, you guys it's a, a fifty one year old institution in Palo Alto that researches on the future, right. so the, you know what we do is is we study what are going to be the future scenarios. And because there is not only one future, one possible future, but there are, you know, infinite possible futures, we try to. Of course, we cannot predict the future. I know we come from California and all that. You know, but No, sorry, we can't predict the future. But uh, no crystal ball for us. But we kind of, we have our own methodology to teach people to make more informed decisions on their future and adapt their strategies to face the future especially in times where you know change is at the door every day it's it's very important to be able to understand what's changing and adapt your organization quickly enough to to change
4: you would think something like that would be a requirement for like the fashioning of like you know citizens of modernity like just just describing something like that like that should be a prerequisite to like engage in 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 the real world uh I think for especially for leaders who need to, to make you
3: know uh, important decisions about our future and the future of many people, you know, understanding this type of things and and what's happening, you know, in more depth is fundamental. And acquiring the tools to be able to, with a bit of creativity, because this always has to be there, a per- personal sensibility, the ability to spot signals in the present of what's changing. I like that. Spot signals in the... Say it again, please. Yeah, it's we <laughs> call them weak signals. So weak there, a, a okay. signal is something that you can notice in the present. It can be a new startup doing something new, a new technology. It could be a new social movement or something happening in the present that gives you the idea that this could lead to a bigger disruption in the future. Okay. So it's not evident what's going to happen, but you can start working on the signal to understand the possible scenarios it could develop into. Wow! <laughs> and and it's really around the corner, guys. Sounds
4: <laughs> <laughs> like a true yeah. prophet. It's no, really yeah, around no, the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, it's coming. You know, <laughs> if you don't prepare for it, it'll be here soon. <laughs> uh,
1: this is the Modern Architect KZSU, Stanford ninety point one FM.
4: Operation USA helps communities across the nation and around the world deal with disasters, disease, and poverty by providing privately funded relief and other aid. The organization's philosophy is to offer material and financial assistance to grassroots organizations that can help with sustainable development, education, and health services. More than 97% of the money donated to Operation USA goes to its programs. If you'd like to donate, please visit opusa.org.
1: We're talking today with Mattia Crespi, founder and CEO, expert in virtual reality, futurist and technology evangelist, a speaker and an entrepreneur. What else can we say? It's so much. Thank For you. more information, feel free to visit gbittech.com. That's qubit. Tech.com. Mathieu, how do you see, since obviously with the Architect show, it used in architecture and then the built environment from your experience and even in the future?
3: Well, of course, the first thing is visualizing environments that do not exist yet. So new buildings, the ability to not only visualize them, but walk into them and experience them as if they were already built. But
1: that's... Stop, no, I that's, love yeah. it. That's you know, just that's awesome. That's <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that, 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 that's happening. <laughs> You're going to have to and, peel uh, me off the walls. This is <laughs> a, keep going, please. I'm interrupting you, but I'm so sorry <laughs> No, 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 it's good. Uh, but, <laughs> no, it's good.
3: <laughs> but we're also... So uh, another inter- interesting project we're doing that uh, is related to real estate is creating a platform where you can have a virtual trade show so you know just as just as you would have a trade show with different booths the sure. companies presenting their offering you we are creating a platform to virtualize this and it's going to be actually launched in Spain next September in the fall and we're going to launch the first virtual trade show on real estate <laughs> So, you know, real estate agents and companies are going to rent their 3D booths where they will connect and and appear as avatars and they will present their own, I mean, the the houses and buildings. Not even physical like this. It'll be in the... It will be entirely virtual (laughs) and and it's essentially a professional networking platform in in 3D (laughs) and it's... You know, have it,
1: you uh, seen the idea? Is it in beta right now, or is it? It's just- in alpha. It's in alpha. <laughs> it's
4: in alpha, oh, ladies and right. gentlemen. Beta is when you're hopefully sleeping. is when you wake, because
1: otherwise the
3: September I told you before would be December. But okay. hopefully not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, but it's
1: ready to go. So you've, you've
3: yeah, ready- it's it's there, and the, and the good thing is that <laughs> when we are presenting the idea to you know managers and companies, you know directors that have decision making capability they like it and they can relate to it maybe it's because it cuts down a lot of expenses in traveling and trade shows but maybe they see that essentially but it has to be said of course now you know as we also mentioned some philosophical aspects of the you know of technology before it has to be said we will probably be missing some of the real life contact in that you know and that's for sure but again, I mean, there are strong drivers that are pushing the virtualization of everything. You know? yeah. First of which our environment, bringing activities, more activities that we do that have impact in, in, on our environment into the virtual world. Will help to to relieve the environment from all the damage that we do every day, yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, you've I've heard of um, I'm not sure which religion you guys helped me with, or that actually uses calls it the third eye, you know, where you, you envision what physically you want or to, you want to manifest in your world, and that this seems like one of the most effective tools yet devised to actually help that third eye of your own mm-hmm. so that you're able to. Put it, you know, express the reality to people more so than just as you said earlier, which I take as a compliment. You're crazy, but now it's it's actually no, no. Here's why. Here's uh, how it so, was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have you can have people because everything's done with and for people. Ultimately, everything, even technology, it's all for and with people. You can have them have a, at least an understanding of what is possible. Yeah, and there is a lot of possible
3: in the future so that the impossible would be very possible oh so, you know, and, and, and that's why what you are saying it's, it's it's fundamental to understand
1: yeah the, the i like that word standard. understand too it, because um joseph actually we, we were talking about it one of our audio engineers joseph about how there's a difference between knowledge and understanding you know you heard knowledge is power And I've been using, actually, I think understanding is gravity, but I don't know if that's the Mm. strong word, but there's got to be something more important than just power and knowledge and I think understanding is there but I, can't, I don't know what the heck to replace the, well, the power with. Understanding also
3: gives you peace of mind peace in okay. the soul. Peace in the soul. Peace in your soul. Look and at you, you Mathieu. Oh, man. You are <laughs> prophetic. I love it. <laughs> don't get me too carried away. Let's go back to the virtual reality. <laughs> yeah. Let's go yeah, back Yeah, we went to too far.
1: The... We, we like passed for true reality. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we were talk like... talking about reality. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Let's return into seeing into the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not Let's not return a... there. Yeah. Instead to, of being in the future, let's return to. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. So what else that we hey, may not have touched on in our show that would you like to to share with us? Hmm. I like that. That's that's good. We've been covering a lot then.
3: Well, regarding virtual
1: reality, regarding... Anything, device. any topic you'd like, because everything was sounds like it's within virtual reality. There's not much that's without. Correct? Well, yeah. I mean...
3: As I was mentioning before, adding this third dimension to to the internet is really opening up uh, immense possibilities. And as the internet has influenced everything we do in our lives, so you know, adding this third dimension to it will will <laughs> triple yeah. its capabilities, if not more. Yeah. And again, we're facing times in our history where really, I mean, it's not just Disruptive technologies is disruptive way of ways of living, disruptive ways of conceiving society, our social contracts, our relationships with institutions, with other people. You
1: know, it's, it's really huge disruptions we are, we are about yeah. to live. How about the blockchain? Share with us a bit. Yeah. Touch on the blockchain f- uh, facet of, of all of this. So
3: what aspect of it? I mean... Whatever you'd like. I'm not too technical, as you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an expert of the blockchain in particular. It's, well, you know, I would say it is the de facto decentralized answer to the slow death of centralized systems. You know, it's the technology that's most representing how decentralized systems can work more effectively than the centralized system we're used to face. And of course, it represents a lot of threats to the institutional mm-hmm. powers that sure. we know of today. A lot of people are scared of a lot of institutions, the banks, banks as first are scared about it. Uh, it's not perfect yet. You know, it's not really scalable, but it's definitely something that would not only influence the way we do our transactions, but also the way we manage our data and our identities. So if you want to connect this, for example, with smart cities, which we were kind of talking about before, and the the MIT Media Lab and the Institute for the Future, a friend of mine, John Klippiger of the MIT, is working on that specifically, is the blockchain applied to identity... And, you know, uh, how to manage services for the communities, for for smart cities, but really manage the identity and the, the sensible data of people
1: online. Oh, well said. Mattia, how about also, and you, you don't have to or if you don't, but we, I like to say, um, how about a legacy, personal and professional legacy? What would you, let's go into that virtual reality world uh, for a moment again. And uh, see, what legacy would you find uh, fulfilling if you uh, left personally and professionally? Yes.
3: Going back to where I started from, where we we're talking about ecosystems and platforms where people can express themselves, allow me to say, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, whether it's a company, an organization, a community, or whatever shape it could have, my legacy would have to be a freedom platform where people can express themselves without hurting themselves too much, but where they can really, you know, like I always try to do that in my company, even though it's a very small company is tell people, tell my people say, guys, this has to be a platform for you to express, to give the best of you. If it doesn't happen, it means there is a problem. And you're going to be doing something different from what you're doing today, tomorrow in this company, because it has to be this way. We need to keep changing. And you're going to be doing something different in your future. So I like the the idea of being able to design a platform where others can find the tools and the mediums to express themselves and create new things. And virtual reality as a whole, for me, is very much of that. Of course, I did not create it, but, yeah. you know, uh, even if in a small dimension, a smaller dimension in terms of m- a number of people, like a family, for example, I think if you manage to do that, to make your family become a platform for the future freedom and well-being of the people around you is already a great accomplishment.
1: Excellent. Yeah, you, you hit it. Mattia, it's been a pleasure and honor having you on our show. Thank you very it's been much. an honor for me. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting me. I hope you uh, consider coming back soon. Before we close, close out, Charlotte,
2: it sounded like you had a question real oh, quick. Oh, I just have an input. The whole while we've been speaking, I always dreamed as a child. I always took for granted that my future, I would be living like George and Jane Jetson. <laughs> and so I feel like everything you're doing is like confirming that somewhere along the way, we're just about to get there.
3: And, yeah, the only difference is that we don't have flying cars, we, we have, have, have autonomous cars. <laughs> <laughs> the first step to flying cars. <laughs> but yes, but you know, so there is a little difference in between the imagination. You know, it's, it's interesting to study right. the differences in between what we imagined and what is actually yes. happening and in what way it is happening. So you do have these super smart cars. But they're autonomous rather than flying. Here's the Jetsons,
1: you had the dumb flying cars. (laughs) You're right. right. That's awesome. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Duhar. Our guest today has been Mattia Crespi, CEO and founder of Qubit Technologies Incorporated, a Palo Alto startup built by virtual reality seasoned executives. Qubit specializes in the development of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for enterprises and focus on what they envision as the first vertical applications of ambient technologies for business purposes, developing specific products, and solutions based on ambient immersive VR technologies. For more information, feel free to visit QubitTech.com. That's Q-B-I-T-T-E-C-H-E. Com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive
2: and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location in California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. Today, the recording engineers are Charlotte M. Thornton, Joseph Anderson, and Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Hyagi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us at our email address, interviews, I-N-T-E-R-V-I-E-W-S, at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews with an S at kzsu.stanford.edu.
0: Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.